Hey everyone, back again. Today I'm going to be talking about Freud's essay, Mourning and Melancholia. So before jumping into that, if you want to follow me anywhere other than here, you can find me on Instagram at theory underscore and underscore philosophy or on Twitter at David Guineo. If you're new here, hi, I'm David. I try to explain philosophical texts and ideas in a way to make them accessible to you. So if you're new, you can subscribe and you'll see videos I release every week, sometimes twice a week. And you can go check out the some 250 or more episodes I have up on YouTube or anywhere else. Now on that point, if you found this on YouTube, you're going to be able to find it in podcast form, pretty much anywhere where you get podcasts if you're into that, uh, links in the description. Or if you found this in podcast form, you're going to be able to find the video on YouTube if you're into that at all. If you want to help me out, do all those things I mentioned, like, share, subscribe, uh, or you can help me out monetarily via Patreon or PayPal, and there are links in the description for that, but obviously no pressure. And yeah, let's talk about this short, important essay or short Freud's short important essay mourning and melancholia now when he starts out this essay he wants to make it very clear that he's on shaky ground that is it's difficult to actually pin down the manifestations of mourning or melancholia they have they can vary quite a bit and there's at the time certainly there was a dearth or a lack of study about their different manifestations and so he gives us that right up front. Now, with that being said, he does establish some very important axioms, some very important commonalities between the two and across people experiencing either mourning or melancholia. Now, they are quite similar. That is, the feeling of mourning and the feeling of melancholia are probably both going to be brought on by a loss of something. Now, this can be a person who might have passed away, it might be the loss of an idea, an abstraction. It might be the loss of one's liberty, one's attachment to their country, one's attachment to their community. All of these different things might produce either mourning or melancholia, which speaks to the fact that it can be difficult to actually distinguish the two. One of the ways to actually distinguish them, though, is in their intensity. That is, both are very strong feelings, but in the case of mourning, it is implied to some extent that the person is going to be able to work through their feelings and eventually be able to let go of that lost object, be it a person or, or an idea, an abstraction, whatever. In the case of melancholia, however, it's not so easy for that lost object to be forgotten. And in fact, the path by which the person might arrive at healing is going to involve a lot of pain and a lot of self-hatred. And this is really the deciding difference between the two. That is, mourning and melancholia are both extremely painful experiences. But what is specific about melancholia for Freud is that it produces a decline in one's self-regard. That is, it produces a decline in the person's view of themselves, in their view of their ego, of their self. So in the act of mourning or when someone is mourning, what they are doing is attaching a sort of investment to a lost object, a libidinal investment to a lost object that they retain through memories, through fantasies, in order to keep that lost object alive. So if you happen to lose someone close to you, in the case of mourning, you're going to want to keep them with you through your memories and through your, through your fantasies so that they don't really feel like they've gone away. 
Now, melancholia, on the other hand, involves not only a desire to retain that thing, but also a confusion about what that thing meant to you. In the case of mourning, it might be somebody, let's say that someone that you loved, and you are missing both them and the love you had for them, perhaps as well the love they had for you. Now, in the case of melancholia, you might be able to physically point to the thing that's missing. You know, you might be able to say your, your partner had died or passed away or whatever, and you can then say uh, that that is what is causing you to feel melancholic. But that's only part of the story. Beyond that, the person suffering from melancholia is not actually able to pin down what that person, or in the case of an abstraction, what that thing actually meant to them. So they are feeling a loss of something that they didn't fully understand. Whereas in the case of mourning, they know exactly what was lost and exactly what that person or thing meant to them. And they are negotiating that, trying to work through that. Whereas in melancholia, they don't really know. And so after the fact, after that object has been lost, what occurs is that the person starts to unpack and try to understand what that thing or person meant to them, which is kind of an impossibility because that person is no longer there. And in order to arrive at any kind of conclusion in that domain would require a kind of dialogue with that person to understand what was going on, what they meant for one another, and, and so on. So the person suffering from melancholia then, very much like the person suffering from mourning or going through mourning, takes that lost object and tries to retain it. So they put it in themselves and they try to revitalize it through memory and through fantasy and whatever. But in mourning, they know what was lost and they, they miss that thing. In melancholia, there's a kind of anger towards that person for not actually giving them the understanding that they needed. And one of the ways that I think it's easiest to describe this is like in the case of a romantic relationship where if you're with somebody and they don't, and they suddenly break up with you without actually saying uh, why they did it, or maybe it was a, even a short relationship uh, and you don't, you didn't have the time to really set roots and understand what the person meant to you and what you meant to them. After they have left, it can produce a very strong feeling of anger towards that person because you never had the opportunity to fully understand what that connection was. And so after the fact, after they have left you to go maybe be with somebody else, you spend all your time trying to decipher that relationship and try to, in a sense, take control of the relationship in your reflecting upon it. And this produces a kind of state of arrested development where you can't actually get beyond that, that feeling, that kind of anger at the person, and it often results in you turning against yourself. Now, the reason that this happens is that very much like mourning, you internalize that person or the object in you. And so your ego, your sense of self, becomes kind of wrapped up with that object where in the case of melancholia, you feel anger towards, you feel confusion towards. And so you end up turning that confusion and that anger against yourself because that is the only place that you can divert that energy. The person's no longer there. They probably won't talk to you or respond to your messages or whatever. So you are left only to turn all that confusion and anger against yourself. So to put it simply, melancholia is comprised of three primary elements and they are the loss of an object, 
a degree of ambivalence about what that object meant to you, and finally, the regression into oneself, or turning against one's own self because that self, that ego, has internalized that object that you have an ambivalence towards and, and an anger and a confusion about. Now this presents kind of a contradiction, where if you find yourself, or the person suffering from melancholia finds themselves turning against themselves, it demands we ask, what part of them is it really that is turning against their ego? Because if it's just the ego, then we have to ask how much of it is actually a turning against oneself versus a turning against the other. And that is precisely how Freud kind of understands this uh, contradiction here by saying that when the person actually goes against themselves in that moment, which might seem to go against every evolutionary impetus we have, what is actually happening is that they are going against that person or thing that they didn't understand, that they are then enable or unable to detach from themselves, even though they feel fully like their acts of uh, self-hatred are directed against another, they still suffer because really it is them that is going to take all of that burden and take all of that anger and confusion. And normally when an object is lost, like in the case of mourning, it will be displaced or that libidinal energy that is no longer invested there is going to be displaced somewhere else, onto somebody else, onto another abstraction. Whereas in melancholia, that can't happen because there's so much confusion about what that relationship meant and about the connection that you had that you can't just displace it somewhere else because you didn't, you don't know what that connection was, what that uh, actual investment was. So you spent all your time trying to unravel it and trying to understand it, which produces the confusion, anxiety, anger. Now this reveals to some extent the nar uh, or a narcissistic element to melancholia. There's a desire to command that relationship, to command that lost object, to make it yours and to put it under your control, which is signals this, this narcissistic element, this desire to command everything in a very um, negative and in a sense, a very unproductive way because you aren't actually getting beyond or understanding the situation. You are just trying to put it under your control. Now this might in some cases actually produce mania and Freud pays some attention to this to say that in cases where the per person suffering from melancholia feels themselves to have gotten beyond those feelings, not because they actually have, but because they've suppressed those feelings, because they have uh, duped themselves into thinking that they have gotten over the lost object, even though they haven't, what happens then is that the person might be experience uh, some kind of extreme joy, a kind of extreme relief. And that will come out in this excitement, in this relief, in other negative ways, which is just a sign that it wasn't, the melancholia wasn't properly dealt with. Now, he leaves us off here by saying that this is only very tentative. He needs to unravel this by looking at so many different dimensions. You know, he has to look at the difference between um, mental pain versus physical pain and how the two meet in melancholia. But here, he leaves us off by saying that, you know, the end of melancholia will come about when the person has actually fully moved beyond the object, has recognized that object is not being valuable to them and they have truthfully let it leave them without just suppressing it deeper within them. Uh, 
or they have, you know, through psychoanalysis actually come to terms with that relationship. Maybe they have embraced the fact that they will never understand and then they can get beyond it. Or maybe they'll actually figure out what that relationship meant and then be able to go through the process of mourning to be able to actually get past it. And yeah, that's pretty well it. Uh, if there's anything I excluded, I'd love to hear about it. If there's anything I got wrong, I would love to hear about it. If you like what I did, like, share, subscribe, tell your friends. Uh, they might get a kick out of it. And um, yeah, catch you next time. Take care.